Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Solid Ground Church, where every week we share messages recorded during our weekly gatherings in Lewis, Delaware. If you have questions or if we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now, let's get to this week's message. Uh, we have been in a series on spiritual gifts and, and the supernatural hand of God, and we're uh, we are a church that believes that God still does today the stuff that he did in the Bible. Uh, we see nothing in scripture or church history to indicate otherwise. And so we've said, listen, our goal in 2022 is to become a church that practices what we preach when it comes to spiritual gifts. That, uh, that, it, that like, we want to not just believe that God does things, we want to create space for him to do them, to listen for his voice and train uh, our church and our congregation to step out in faith and do uh, what the Lord leads to do. And so we've been uh, going through 1 Corinthians, and when we came to 1 Corinthians 12, we sort of uncorked uh, a massive teaching on healing, because healing is one of those things that we all want God to do, and yet so few of us uh, know much about it, right? And so we said, listen, we're just going to take some time and talk about healing. Uh, and so the last time I preached a couple weeks ago, uh, I made this simple point that I got from uh, John Wimber that I think is just really good. Like when it comes to healing, a lot of us, uh, we, we, we feel as though like we're asking God to do the exception. So we kind of feel like we might as well just be asking him to give us a unicorn where it's theoretically possible, but we don't really expect him to do anything like that. Uh, but what we realized was when it comes to God's heart about creation and the brokenness and, and, and sin, sickness and death, all these things that have, have broken and infused into uh, what was his good creation, we realized a really uh, central thing. And this is sort of the main point, simply this, that God wants to heal. Let me say that again. God wants to heal. That's his heart towards us. That's his desire. Doesn't mean he's always going to, but if we're curious, like his posture towards us, the, like, like where he is, it's not twisting his arm. It's not uh, somehow faithlessness for us to ask the Lord to heal. He's not mad at us for asking this. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that uh, he doesn't always, right? And this has been the sort of the lingering tension in the room. That, okay, even though it's his heart to, he doesn't always do it. And so I know, like, even from week one, that the tension in the room has been for those of us who have prayed and, and, and we asked him to heal and, and he didn't or he hasn't. And every, every single one of us, we're going to feel this tension. So even, like, the, the people of the, the greatest faith who see God do incredible things, and it all rests on him, not them. Even them. You're going to reach this point where you just beg God to do something. And he says no. And it feels almost like like a kid at Christmas where maybe they watch their dad give a present to a sibling, but not them. And they know that he loves them, but it just doesn't feel that way in the moment. And, and so many people in the room have been just waiting for this, where's my miracle? And you're not bad for asking that question. You're not bad for being heartbroken. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is talk about, okay, well, why is it sometimes God doesn't heal? What's the reasoning behind that? If his heart is to do it, where, where is he and all that? And, and to set this up, there's just a few things. I'm, I'm, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to give uh, six reasons why God might not heal. Um, hopefully three today, two if, if we were going for on time. Uh, but, but over the next couple of weeks, we're going to give six reasons, okay? So if you're like, man, okay, what about this or this? Just stay with me for two weeks. If you're like, man, you didn't cover this, it's, it's a big talk, okay? I, I had to split up in a couple of weeks. Um, but here are some qualifiers that we need to know going into it. Number one, we always want to be really careful when we talk about God healing or not healing uh, because there are sort of two fallacies that people tend to fall into with this that we want to just do our best as a church to steer clear of. The first is this, to blame sick people for being sick. 
Okay? Sometimes what happens is, like, and well-meaning Christians who are maybe a little bit simplistic in their theology, and, and, and listen, like, uh, how many of you know that, listen, like, when the Lord graces, like, healing and the supernatural, stuff like that, like, it's not a confirmation of a person, like, every sort of point of a person's theology. The only thing that miracles testify to is that Jesus died for our sin and rose from the dead. Everything else is up for grabs, okay? Like, and so here's the thing to realize, okay? Some people, like, like the Lord, like they've got faith for God to heal. And so they sort of move into this category of like, listen, it's always God's will to heal. And if you're not healed, it's because you, quote, unquote, didn't have enough faith. Or maybe you've got some secret sin that the Lord's dealing with. And so, and so what tends to happen is sometimes people, like because they mean well, they kick people while they're down. Listen, if you were just a little bit better, God would do it. And we want to really, really be careful not to insert that there because that's not always loving. And so that's, that's the sort of, you know, if we're walking on this tightrope, that's the one side we could fall into, but the other side is also dangerous. And the, also, the other side does this. The other side goes, listen, because, like, you know, like in our camp, we would say we're very re- reformed in our theology about, you know, is God in control and, and does God have a will? And, and we would say, yeah, absolutely, he does. But sometimes what happens is because we believe God is in control and God has a will, we just defer everything to that and never exercise faith or action. So we go, listen, well, I'm not going to pray for healing. I'm not going to pray boldly. I'm not going to ask God to heal. Because, listen, like, you know, God has a will, so it, it'll just be what it's going to be. And what happens is usually that comes from a place, like, or, or very, very often it comes from a, a heart where the person is afraid of embarrassment. And usually they'll be like, well, you know, listen, I don't want to speak for the Lord and, and be wrong. I don't, I don't want to say something about him, right? And by the way, God's a big boy. He can take care of himself. More to the point, I, it's more of a, I don't want to pray for somebody to be healed and then not be. I don't think my heart could take that. I don't think their heart could take that. And so out of a fear of being wrong, we sort of default to never praying anything and never being bold. That also is a mistake. Okay, so those are our sort of two qualifiers. There's one other thing, okay, and I promise you I'm going to give you the list, all right? One other thing, because I told you, listen, we're going to give you six reasons why God might not heal, all right? But can I just tell you something? None of them. Hey, if you're sick, if you're grieving, if you have a loved one you've been praying for and praying for, God, please, okay? If that's where you are, okay, none of those reasons is that God has forgotten about you. None of them. None of them. God says this to, to the nation of, of Israel in the book of Isaiah as, you know, they're, they're carried off into captivity. Their lives have fallen apart. They've lost everything. They're the victims of evil and invaders. And they're crying out to God. And they're going like, Lord, like, have you forgotten us? Like, are, are you just going to abandon us? And this is what God says to them in Isaiah 49, starting in verse 15. He says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And God goes, listen, all right, so listen, could a mom ever do that with an infant right there? Like, could the mom ever lose compassion there? And then God goes, hypothetically, let's, let's say that even theoretically, our experience would say no, but even theoretically, if that were possible, here's what he says. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. And then he says this line, and it is so good in verse 16. He says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. And the word in the Hebrew there that we translate as engraved, literally it has a connotation of taking a hammer and a spike. Now flash forward, do you remember the New Testament? You remember our Lord having a spike go through his hand by means of a hammer? 
And you remember how when Jesus rose from the dead, those holes still remained in his hand? You remember that? Yeah. You are forever on his mind. And every time Jesus looks at his hands, he remembers his people. You are part of his very body. It is impossible for God to forget about you. If you're taking notes, write this down. Listen, God is incapable of forgetting about you. God can do a lot of things, but he can't do that. It's just so part of his heart. It's so part of his nature. And please hear me, this is not a rebuke. This is a reminder. There may be any number of reasons why, why God doesn't heal, but none of them is because he forgot you. None of them is that his compassion has run cold. No, he does not work that way. So, okay, all that said, why? Why, if I pray and I ask God to heal, why might he say no? Why, what, what could be behind that? If, if he loves me with an everlasting love, if he will never abandon me or forsake me, if in Christ I am his and he is mine, but why might he not heal? Well, here's the very first reason, uh, simply this. Number one, um, it's not his time yet. It's not his time yet. Let's not forget that the the people in the Gospels, many of them had ailments for years, right? Like Jesus, uh, in in the Gospel of Luke uh, chapter 8, he heals a woman who has an issue of bleeding, and she had this issue for for 12 years. In John uh, 5, he heals a lame guy who was that way for 38 years. Look, my own own experience with healing, I told you guys a story earlier this year about how uh, I was at a conference and the Lord uh, healed an issue that I had had with my ankle. I had that issue for 10 years. Okay, so this isn't a thing of like, you know, well, if he was going to, wouldn't he have done it by now? That's a mistake because we never know what God is doing through our suffering. We never know what he's forming through our pain. So it's a mistake to say, okay, because he hasn't, that means he never will. And I know, listen, it, it gets so, come on, it gets so hard. Like as, as time goes on and you've prayed and you've prayed and you've prayed and he didn't and he didn't and he didn't, the easier thing would just be to conclude, well, listen, I'll be safe now and I'll never ask again. I'm just going to sort of release it to the heavens and, and, and it will be what it will be. But here's what I want you to know. That's not what the Bible encourages us to do, no matter what. Jesus, and he, what he does is he invites us to keep on praying. Look, I, lo- I love the way the New Living Translation uh, translates Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Here's what Jesus tells us to do. He says, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. Why? Because everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks the door will be opened. How many of you know the Lord is not offended by you asking? Do you know that? Like, do you think this is a thing of like, God, I'm begging you for your mercies. I'm begging you to intercede. And God's like, again? <laughs> no. What? What's the primary term God tells us to address him by? Father. What good father would ever be sick of providing for his children? No, it, it doesn't work that way. And if I could, you know, listen, I, I want us to be a people who discern the voice of the Lord when we pray and ask him, like, you know, Father, what do you want to do here? I think that's good. I think that brings peace of heart. But let's just understand our posture towards prayer as a church, um, because we believe healing flows out of the mercy of God. It's not that, like, healing is this thing where, you know, I found the secret sauce of prayer, or I've, I realized, like, three things, and then God will. 
No, he's merciful. And when we pray in boldness and faith, we're, asked, we're appealing to his mercy. And so you know our posture as a church, here's how, how we pray for healing. We will beg God for his healing mercy until we can't. Like, I will pray for you to be healed until you have left this earth. I would hope you would do the same for me. We will keep on begging. We will keep on asking. We will not stop because Jesus tells us, keep on asking. Keep on knocking. And if that's the command of the Lord, we're going to do it. That's our posture in prayer for healing. But the, the first thing, that, why he might not, is because it's not his time yet. Why yet? Well, that leads to the, the second reason why God might not heal. Number two, uh, because he forms us through pain, suffering, and yes, sickness. He does. He does. There is this misnomer here, among, again, again, among our brothers and sisters who mean really well, but who just sometimes say ridiculous things. Like, it's never God's will for you to be sick. Well, what if sickness creates antibodies so that I don't get sick anymore? Like, didn't he create the world with that stuff in there? Like, with us that have immune systems, it's never God's will. Or you hear crazy things like, listen, people of faith in the Bible never got sick, except for the times when they did. You read the book of Job? I mean, I could go on. The, the prophet Elisha, who on his deathbed from sickness, is, is, is encouraging big, bold prayers to God. It's not that Elisha ever lost faith. Like, the last, his last words are telling the guy, listen, you need to pray bigger. Like, that's essentially what he says right before he's like, ah, uh, gone, okay? Like, should we talk about David, who at the end of his life, his body is not capable of producing heat, and yet is called a man after God's own heart? Could we, could we could go on to, to, to Paul with Timothy, who Paul's like, listen, man, you're having stomach problems. Take that wine for your stomach. And even Paul himself. There's this great story in the book of 2 Corinthians where Paul, he talks about the, these, like a vision of heaven that he had. He's just thinking humble about it. He won't even say that it was him. But it's so clear him because of the, the context around him. He's like, I know a man who was called up to the head. Like, just say it's you, dude. Like, we get it. We get it. All right. <laughs> And he has this point where, <laughs> where he's evaluating all of it. He's seen this incredible thing. And this is what he says happens as a result in 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7. He says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. In other words, I, I, could, I could take everything that I saw there and I could be like, man, I'm the man now. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Pause on this for just a second. By the way, um, the phrase that we... Can, can, I just, can I just mess with your theology for a second here? I'm going to. So look, um, <laughs> the phrase that we translate as messenger of Satan is the Greek word angelos. Same word that we translate angel. What's the idea? A demon has been released at him to inflict suffering on his flesh. To what way? Some people think it's a uh, sin uh, struggle. Some people think that it's a physical ailment. I would probably lean towards that with given what we know about Paul's life. Uh, but, but the text, I think, is intentionally vague here. You, you are meant to read into it where you are. It says, uh, I was given a thorn in the flesh of messenger of Satan to torment me. And look at this, verse eight. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Um, and again, like, when it says here three times, what he's not saying, it, it, it's not, it's like, God, take it away, God, take it away, God, take it away. The idea is simply this, like, it's become so horrible 
that on three different instances, he's just reached this point, like, God, please. And he's praying, begging God fervently, would you please help me? It's like, like he got to this point of just exploding in prayer to, to God. And it happened, like, it was so bad that on three separate <laughs> occasions, he's going like, God, would you please? So what's the solution? God took it away? No, verse nine. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Um, sometimes we, we, we're very thankful for the grace of God. And, and, and a working definition that I often work with is the idea of grace is God's unearned kindness. But it's not just a feeling towards us. Grace is a term throughout the New Testament that's used to, to describe God's active power in a believer's life. So, for instance, you can think about... Um, in Titus, where he says, like, the grace of God has appeared uh, that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. And the word uh, that we translate as teaches there uh, is the Greek word paideon. Same, it's the same root as the word, like, uh, of a child. It's not teaching, like, here's doctrine. It's teaching in terms of, like, a parent weans a child through life. And same way, okay, like, when it comes to uh, his grace being made perfect in weakness, the idea is that, hey, listen, Paul, in everything, I'm forming you to be like me. Paul, and everything, like, I'm shaping you and I'm molding you to, to, to be different from the world, to experience the fullness of life in Christ. Like, hey, Paul, I'm working in all things. Well, but God, I'm in agony. Yes, you are, but don't you, don't you think for a second I'm not aware of it? Well, well God, like, there's a, literally, there's a demon attacking me. And he goes, yeah, how about that? Don't worry. No, no, because here's the thing. How many of you know this? God, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Um, God can even accomplish his good purposes in us through things that he hates. Do you know that? Like, he absolutely hates sickness. He absolutely hates the devil. But he's only like, he'll, but he'll let him have even just that, enough slack to wreak enough havoc, but not kill us. Why? Why? Because he's forming us in all things. And by the way, again, if he allows the sickness, don't think that means that he likes it. Because he doesn't. He's playing the long game because here's the thing. He's forming us not just for here, but for eternity. And we got to remember that. We've never been on the other side of eternity. We don't know what, what, like, what that takes for our character to be molded for that. But that's what he's doing. And hear me, there is never a moment where you're outside of his eye or his ear. All right, I got time. I'm, I'm going to do the third one. Okay, look. I just glanced at the clock. All right. So okay, if, if uh, he doesn't heal because it's not his time yet, if he doesn't heal because he's forming us through the suffering, which he does, sometimes I wish he, did, he didn't. Wait, but he's good. Third reason is this, um, because this world is not our home. It's not. Fourth of July, um, we were invited to go to, uh, our family were invited to go to a pool with some friends and, and, and spend the afternoon there in, in the incredible heat, but in the nice, uh, cool pool, you know. And I, I, just about me as a person, um, I, I am a 20-minute pool guy. Beyond, beyond that, I'm done in the pool. Like, listen, like, I'm, like, it's nothing wrong with the pool, but just listen, I've done everything I need to do in the pool in about 20 minutes. Like, went to this side, went to this side again. <laughs> Stuck my head under the water, back up. All right, time. <laughs> That, that, that chair looks really comfortable. That's where I'm going now, you know? My kids, not so much. My kids, if they could, they would be Aquaman. Like, 
just, they, they like, and so they're in their hours. And, 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 you know, listen, we had stuff to do that day. And so there came a point where I was like, all right, guys, get out of the pool. We got to go. And they were like, I'm swimming, Lord! You know, like they're backstroking, they're jumping. And they're like, okay, I'm like, seriously, you need to get out of the pool. I'm like, no, it's so great here. Isn't it? It's awesome. You know, maybe you've had that experience where, like, you tell your like, parents, like, you're like, all right, guys, time to go. And they're like, not yet. It's so much fun, you know? And I get it because the things are good there. But they can't stay there forever. And I don't chastise them for wanting to stay in the pool. The pool's amazing. It's fun. There was a water slide. This one was great. What kind of parent would I be if I let them stay there the rest of their lives? How much life would they miss out if I said to them, okay, this is good enough? They miss out on driving a car. They miss out on falling in love. They miss out on discovering their callings and purposes and, and being with friends. Like They'd miss all of that if I just let them stay where they wanted to be. And the same is true with us and God and here. Um, it's hard because this is all that we've known, and, and we have good things here, but there are better things ahead of us. And by the way, I don't chastise my kids for wanting, wanting to stay in the pool. I get it. And, and for you, please hear me, um, God doesn't chastise you for wanting to stay here either. He doesn't. Like, he, he knows what it's like to be us. Remember the man, Jesus Christ, who experienced everything that, that we have experienced, and yet he was God in the flesh? He gets the scariness of death. He's been through it. He gets the pain of the dying process. He's been through it. He, like, he, literally, he knows how painful dying is. And hear, hear, hear me on this. He hates it more than we do. But because he's a good father, he goes, listen, this place is not the best place that I have for you. This world is not your home. And that is so hard. It's hard when you're dying. It's hard when you have somebody that you love that you want to stay here with you. Because who likes to be apart from those that they love? But nobody stays here forever. At some point, all of us will ask God to heal, and he will say, no. But I want you to remember something, okay? In the scariest, and it's going to have to be a point of trust. It's not going to feel this way, but let's, maybe some, at some point in your heart, you'll reach a place where it, it will. But for a lot of us, here's the thing that we just have to hold on to and remember this, okay? Um, being with Jesus is better. It is. Paul, when, he, when, he's, when he's writing to a group of people that he absolutely loves, the, the Philippian church, he's talking about how he's in anguish right now, and he's trying to figure out, like, listen, should I stay in this world or should I go home and be with Jesus? And like, guys, I can keep serving you here or should I go be with the Lord? That's what he says in Philippians 1.23. He says, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is, look at this, better by far. That's his view of eternity. Now listen, like don't 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 come to this place where you're like, all right, so like, I might as well not care. I might as well like go ahead and leave this earth. Whatever. No, your life isn't yours to take. And also, there are people here who know and love you and 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 need you. And when that's not the case, the Lord will remove you from here. But at the same time, let's not forget. Listen, like eternity is way better than here. It is. 
And can I just say this a step further? If you're in Christ and you've been fervently begging God to heal and intercede, it is impossible for you to lose. We treat, like, like for instance, like, think about like, how, we, how we talk about cancer. And like somebody dies and we go, oh, so-and-so lost their battle with cancer. You don't lose to cancer. Do you know why? Because either you stay here and God heals you or you go on to eternity with Christ. There is no loss for you. It does not work that way. Here's what Paul says about death in, in, in the perspective of the cross and resurrection of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 5, verses 54 through 57, he says, death has been swallowed up in victory. And then he quotes the Psalms, he begins to mock it. He says this in verse 55, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? You've got nothing on us, because if we die, we're with Christ. If we live, we're being made like Christ. Verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. If you are in Christ, you cannot lose. You don't lose to cancer. You don't lose to MS. You don't lose to AIDS. You don't lose to multiple sclerosis. Like, like you don't lose to, I mean, I could go on and on and on, like, like diabetes. You don't lose to all these things. Why? Because Christ is greater. He has taken, like, he's done, you're asking God to do a miracle. He's already done the greatest miracle of all. He has taken away all your sin and given you eternal life. It's true. You can't lose because Christ has already won for you. Marinate in that. And no, please, please, I'm, I'm really not trying to kick anybody while they're down. I'm not saying where you are is easy. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to do one of these deals that's like, like stiff upper lip. I'm like, it's really not that bad. No, it could be terrible. but you won't lose to it. The only way you lose is if you forsake Christ. You don't do that, you won. Why? Because he already won for you. All right, so those are my three reasons today, three reasons next week. Um, so we're like, yeah, but what about this, this, and this? Don't email me. Yeah, wait till next week's talk, okay? But in the meantime... Um, Something I want to just be really, really careful as a church. As we parse this, let's make sure that we believe God is a God who heals more than he's a God who doesn't. All right? So um, I want to, as we wrap this up, even though we talk about, like, okay, when he doesn't, let's still just ask him to heal. Let's ask him to have mercy. So that every head bowed, every eye closed. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. Lord Jesus, we thank you for dying for our sin and rising from the dead, ascending into heaven to give us new life. You constantly intercede for us to the Father. You constantly are making us right with yourself. Father, we love you. What a privilege to be able to be called your children. You hear us, you see us, and you are good. You're merciful. You do not deal with us as our sins deserve. So Lord, out of your great compassion and out of your great mercy, I ask you to bring healing this morning to my brothers and sisters who need it. I pray you bring healing to their bodies. I ask you to bring healing to their traumas. I pray for mental healings this morning. 
Lord, we don't know what you want to do, but you're good. And um, for everybody who just, nothing I said was new, but they just needed to be reminded of it. Would you bring them an extra measure of comfort in the Holy Spirit right now? That you're not mad at them. Hey, okay, for the one who's been reminded, like, dang it, I should have, I should have known that. And oh man, God, I'm so sorry that He's not mad at you. He's telling you this for your comfort. This is not a rebuke. This is his care for you. He loves you. I pray for ones who are dealing with rejection from father wounds today. Would you show them your hand is a good father? Please heal now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God for you guys. Bless you. We'll see you all next week, okay?